So what is the inner critic? It is that part of you that really is driven by wanting to avoid you getting hurt, right? So it's looking out for all the possible ways you might screw things up, all the possible ways things might go wrong or that you might make things go wrong. And it's coming up with ideas or at least pointing out all these potential pitfalls. And oftentimes we get frustrated with it and we want it to shut up. We want it to go away. We just want to turn it off. But because it's driven by fear, fear of getting hurt, telling it to shut up really doesn't work. Hi, I'm Biz Cush, a life coach and therapist and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hi there, and welcome back to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. I am your host, Biz Cush, and I'm super excited to have you here today. And wherever you are, I hope that you are taking care of yourself because that's really important. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I feel like over the last few episodes and a theme that often comes up on the podcast for when I talk to other women around the world that we struggle with perfectionism, our inner critic, taking care of ourselves, and really a lack of kindness towards ourself. And it felt important to me today to kind of talk about the sort of combination of how those things may be interplaying in your system. I will share what happens in my system, and maybe that will sound familiar to you. Because I think that our inner critic, our perfectionist parts are part of us that tells us that we need to take care of others before we take care of ourselves, that self-care is selfish. Those parts interplay in such dramatic ways that sometimes we don't even recognize what's happening. It's subtle. It can be very subtle. It can be very direct. But especially if this is something you've been working on, it can sneak in, the inner critic can sneak in in very, like I said, very subtle ways and less obvious ways, which then disrupts our system. Because when we're berating or criticizing or yelling at ourselves for mistakes, worries, not anticipating things, doing something wrong, that disrupts our whole nervous system, which then activates other parts. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to say we've got a new resource on the website at elizabethcushcoaching.com. There is a quiz that you can take to find out if you are highly sensitive or if you have high sensitivity traits. Because even as a highly sensitive person, that's not the whole me. 
high sensitivity doesn't define me as a person, but they are some traits that I carry. They are some characteristics that maybe I have developed more deeply or were bo- I was born with more deeply than other people. And if you think you might be a highly sensitive person or you might have high sensitivity, check out the quiz. I'm really excited to share that. And when you take it, you'll get your results and some resources and get added to the mailing list. So that's pretty cool. Again, if you go to elizabethcushcoaching.com, there is a button right at the top of the page to take the quiz. I will also provide a link in the show notes so that you can go directly there and take the quiz. So on to the topics today of inner critic, perfectionism, and lack of self-care, and how self-compassion can help calm all those parts and create a better relationship with yourself. So the inner critic, I believe, is present in all of us. It's there kind of watching out for us, not wanting us to get things wrong, wanting to keep us in line, not wanting to feel judged. And it can show up, like for me personally, there was a sense growing up as a kid that I had to just get things right. I had to be able to figure out how to manage school or friendship relationships by myself and get it right. Because if I didn't, then it caused me a lot of anxiety and stress. And there was a part of the inner critic that was telling me that asking for help wasn't okay. So that activated my perfectionist part saying, I better get everything right. If I don't get everything right, then there's something wrong with me. And then I'll feel bad about myself. There was a part of me that was striving all the time to try to get it right. But when that felt impossible, I would withdraw. I would procrastinate. Oh gosh, I can remember in high school. I really, I struggled in school because so much of where I went to school was about reading long texts and taking in the information and being able to memorize things and really use what I've read, you know, comprehension in essays and writing and answers for quizzes. I didn't have a very good grasp. I did not comprehend a lot of stuff quickly. I needed to take time. I needed to slow down. I needed things to be quiet because of my high sensitivity. And I didn't always give that to myself because I didn't know I needed it. So it led me to procrastinate, put off assignments. I was terrified to ask for help because I thought it would show others how much I didn't know, how stupid I was. I really did believe I was not smart as a kid. And I didn't know how to take care of myself around those feelings. 
I thought that asking for help made me needy or if I asked for help, I wouldn't get the help that I needed. I truly believe that, that asking for help wouldn't really get me what I needed. So I stopped asking. I just tried to figure stuff out for myself and ended up not doing very well on a couple of different subjects because I didn't know how difficult school was for me and how to get the help that I needed. But what happens in those moments when we're children is that we internalize all of these feelings towards ourselves, like I'm the problem, which I definitely felt deep inside that I'm the problem. I'm too sensitive. I take things too seriously. I'm too needy. I'm stupid. I'm the problem. I don't, I can't correct this because it's me that's the problem and I can't be fixed. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Not necessarily through school. Maybe you were a good student, but just that sense of feeling like you're the problem, that you're the one that needs to be fixed, and yet you don't know how to quote unquote fix yourself. Well, I will share a little bit about how that has shifted for me over the years. But before we do that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the inner critic, perfectionism, the importance of self-care, and how self-compassion can be an antidote to the inner critic and perfectionism. So what is the inner critic? It is that part of you that really is driven by wanting to avoid you getting hurt, right? So it's looking out for all the possible ways you might screw things up, all the possible ways things might go wrong or that you might make things go wrong. And it's coming up with ideas or at least pointing out all these potential pitfalls And oftentimes we get frustrated with it and we want it to shut up. We want it to go away. We just want to turn it off. But because it's driven by fear, fear of getting hurt, telling it to shut up really doesn't work. Telling it to turn off does not work. Changing your mindset does not work because the fear of getting hurt, of doing things wrong, of being judged, those fears are still there. We're not attending to those fears when we tell the inner critic to shut up. What can happen when we have a very powerful, loud, self-critical part is it can activate a perfectionist part a part that wants to make sure you're going to do everything right, that you have to do everything right, that you have to be perfect. Because if you're perfect, then nothing bad can happen, right? If I have everything figured out and I never do anything wrong, then I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm not going to fuck up. But the reality is 
No one is perfect. We cannot be perfect. But this perfectionist part does not know that. The perfectionist part doesn't understand that imperfection is human and quote unquote normal. That we all have imperfections and those imperfections are what make us human and beautiful and individuals and the amazing people that we are. But perfectionism can lead to, for some people, striving to be the best, overachieve, work all the time, overperform, never get things wrong. So like a type A personality, straight A student, overachiever, well, if you think back to high school, playing all the sports, getting, doing all the extracurriculars, and being the best student. But for other people, myself included, perfectionism can lead to a lot of anxiety and avoidance because we're so afraid that we might not get it right. So it may be that you read or reread an email a hundred times or a text message over and over again to make sure you're getting it right. Or maybe you're avoiding household duties or work projects or self-care because you're afraid you're not going to get it right. And that not getting it right creates enough stress and anxiety that potentially that can trigger the inner critic, leaving you feeling totally overwhelmed and just wanting to crawl under the covers and avoid every single thing or at least some of the things that you need to get done. But once again, like, so if we made a mistake, will that really truly be the end of the world? Will it break us? The likelihood is probably not. And yet that perfectionist part does not know that. It does not know that. It has not learned that making mistakes is okay, is human, and is something we can move on from. The inner critic can also leave us lacking in self-care or avoiding self-care or shaming us because it says self-care is selfish, that we should take care of other people's needs, that the other people in our lives are more important. And if we're highly sensitive or if we have high sensitivity, we pick up on other people's feelings and emotions and needs very easily because we process things so deeply and we are very emotionally attuned, often more attuned to others' needs than our own if we've had our own needs diminished or not met when we were kids. And babies and youngsters. And if we've learned that our needs shouldn't be a priority or we shame ourselves around making our needs a priority with our inner critical part, if it's telling us our needs don't matter, you're being selfish by asking for things, you shouldn't care about yourself, 
it can leave us feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, stressed, anxious, depressed. Because there are parts of us that that need care. There are lots of parts of us that need love and care and compassion and kindness. And yet we haven't learned how to give that to ourselves, maybe because it wasn't given to us when we asked for things, when we needed things, or our needs weren't met when we were babies. But that inner critic can get in the way of us recognizing what we need, but also that our needs should be primary and foremost in our minds, not to say we're not going to care for other people, but that if we're not caring for ourselves, we're disrupting our whole nervous system, all of our parts, our whole sense of well-being. And the type of self-care that I'm talking about isn't necessarily huge gestures of massage or spa days, like those are lovely and beautiful and an important part of the overall larger picture of self-care, if those things are important to you and your body. But the self-care I'm talking about are the small, everyday moments that we take to check in with ourselves, to listen to what our parts need, what we need, and can be as simple as I'm thirsty and I need to take a drink of water. Or I've been running all day and never had time to sit down and eat something and I'm hungry. I need sustenance. Or it could be My worries keep me up all night long. I sleep restlessly, but I also don't give myself a chance to rest during the day. So I'm overtired, stressed out, distressed. That's the kind of self-care that our inner critic can disrupt when it's telling us that our needs shouldn't matter that really taking care of other people is what's most important. Because whether you're taking care of other people in your home, outside your home, at work, friends, animals, whoever, their needs are important, sure. And can we help others? Of course, especially as a a person with high sensitivity, You hold so much compassion and care and empathy for others that there are parts of us that that yearn to help others because we feel so deeply and know what their pain is like. We can feel that. And if we're not listening to ourselves, what we need, what matters to us, what we can do to take care of ourselves, it does leave distress and burnout and overwhelm. So it's a fine balance, right? You have to listen to take care of yourself and your own needs in order to be a better caregiver, caretaker, caring person, 
empathetic person out in the world. And so I shared at the beginning that self-compassion is actually the antidote to the inner critic, the part that tells us our needs shouldn't matter, and our perfectionist part. And I'll tell you a little story about that for myself and then get into the details in a minute. So as I mentioned, like school was hard for me as a kid and I really did believe that I was not a smart person. I did not feel like I had whatever it took, the genes, the know-how, the knowledge to be a smart person. But later went back to school, did not finish college when I was in my 20s, but went back to school as an adult and still questioned my ability to be a good student. But as I, because as an adult, I knew how to take better care of myself around studying and reading and actually doing the work versus avoiding it. But when I went back to school for my master's in counseling, all of my inner critical perfectionist parts showed up because this going back to school was really important to me. I wanted to become a therapist and this was the route to get there. And so all my self-doubts, all my worries, all my fears about being a good student showed up again. And could I possibly be a a good therapist? And I remember talking to my supervisor at the time, and she mentioned the name Kristen Neff, who was a psychologist who did work, does work around self-compassion. And we talked a little bit about that. That prompted me to get her book, I also purchased a DVD that had hours and hours of meditations and learning and education around self-compassion and why it works. And bringing in self-compassion into my daily practices of meditation and mindfulness just opened so many doors within myself and brought so much awareness to how easily I turned on myself, how easily that inner critical part would find fault or warn me of potential dangers or potential ways I could screw things up. And also reminding me that I wasn't a good person, that there was something missing inside of me, that there was something broken and But my self-compassion practice gave me the opportunity to pause, to listen to the inner critic, to recognize the fear that drove the inner critic to say the things that it said to me, to recognize that it really just wanted to protect me from harm, from hurt, from emotional pain. And to be able to meet that inner critic with love and kindness, to say, oh, 
I hear how hard you've been working to protect me, to keep me safe. I see the work you've done, and sure, it probably did help for a period of time in my life. But now I'm working to be kinder to myself. Now I can recognize that, sure, I'm not perfect, that I'm not the smartest kid in the room, not the smartest adult in the room. And yeah, I might make mistakes and I'm going to survive that. I'm going to be okay. And I can meet myself with kindness and compassion on how hard it is to make a mistake or to not get it right or to feel like an outsider. I can meet that those fears and worries with compassion and care and ask myself what I need in those moments. And sometimes it's just a hand on my heart to say, oh, I can feel how uncomfortable that is, or I can feel how painful that is. Because as I said, the inner critic's job is to try to help us to avoid pain and hurt And yet those feelings are present all the time in our lives. Maybe not every day, but definitely consistently. We cannot live a life free of pain, sorrow, hurt. It's not possible because we are thinking, breathing, feeling human beings. And part of what happens when we cut off those feelings of pain and hurt We're also cutting off the feelings of joy and love and excitement because there's no way to just chop off some emotions without chopping them all off or avoid or distance ourselves from just some emotions. We're really distancing ourselves from all of them, which diminishes our experience as a human. So self-compassion practices can meet our perfectionist part and our inner critical part and the part of us that says we don't deserve or should not care for ourselves like we care for others. It can meet those parts with care, compassion, kindness, and love. And when we better understand what we need in those moments, like if I am feeling like I should just continue to push through my day without eating something. I can listen to that part that says that, that's pushing that for me. I can say, hey, oh, I feel how hard it is to pause, to slow down. And I can feel how much you want me to care for others. But my needs matter too. And I know that if I take this moment to take care of myself and have something to eat, that I'm going to feel better on the other side of this. That my needs matter too. And I can feel how scary it is 
to make my needs a priority, to make my needs a thing that I step towards. I can feel how scary it is and I can offer some compassion for that. I think that with perfectionism as well, that that fear of being judged, the fear of not getting everything right, the fear of being imperfect can be met with compassion and care and kindness too. As our parts learn that we can handle pain, that we can handle feelings, that we can meet ourselves in those moments of difficult times with love and care, it settles our whole nervous system. All the parts, most of our parts probably will feel that and see that, which then just brings the stress and overwhelm and burnout and exhaustion. Those feelings lessen the more we take care of ourselves. And the more we take care of ourselves, the easier it is to continue to take care of ourselves and to hear what we need and to listen and to feel the feelings because we can meet ourselves there, whatever the feelings are, with compassion and care and love and kindness. And it builds our capacity to care for others. If our needs are being met, if we are functioning within the range of all of our emotions, we are then able to show up for others in a much more regulated, balanced, grounded way. And that's really important too, because if we're showing up that way, it's helping others show up that way too. And if you're listening to this thinking like it sounds like a terrifying process to meet yourself where you are emotionally all the time, like to feel all the feelings, I get it. I understand. And I know that it actually it actually helps. It helps us be more compassionate and kind with ourselves all the time, but it also helps us better understand what we need if we know what we're feeling in the moment. I'd like to share a little story just to emphasize how my self-compassion practice has really shifted a lot of my anxiety and internal strife. A few years ago, it was my birthday, and I just had these overwhelming feelings. Parts of me were so depressed and sad about my birthday. And as I paused to listen to this pain that I was feeling, I could hear this inner critical voice, this skeptic saying, Nobody knows me. Nobody cares to give me what I need on my birthday. My birthdays have always been terrible and filled with pain and disappointment. And as I heard that message from this 
skeptical, critical part of me. Because of course, it was also saying, this is your fault because you are this kind of person that people are always going to disappoint you. I was able to really feel how hard birthdays had been for me in the past, which is where this critical part of me was drawing the information from, right? Like it was bringing this past pain that I had experienced and kind of shut off from myself, avoided thinking about or feeling, and brought it into the present as if those painful memories were happening today. And as hard as it was to remember how difficult birthdays had been in the past, I realized that I'm a very different person now, that this is my present today, that I have people who love me and care about me and people who want to give me a birthday celebration that resonates with what I want and what I need. And then give myself some compassion for how hard that was when those feelings came up and how hard it has been for me at times in my life. And it's also provided me with a tool for being more sensitive and aware of my sensitivities. Being a highly sensitive woman, sometimes we can judge ourselves around that sensitivity and my self-compassion practice has helped me in those moments as well. It helps to just slow things down, notice what's coming up, feel the feelings and turn towards ourselves with love and kindness. And I truly believe that self-compassion is the antidote for our inner critic and our perfectionist parts. We're not going to dismantle them or push them away or make them never show up again, but it allows us to meet ourselves in a space of care and kindness and openness and curiosity. So if you would like some guidance, coaching, help around building your own self-compassionate part, building your own self-compassion practice, I would love to talk to you. You can book a free 45-minute discovery call to see if coaching is the right next step for you. And I'd love for you to do that. So check out the show notes. You'll find the link to schedule there. You can also go to my website and it's elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash book a session. There's a little button at the top of the page if you just go to the homepage that says, let's talk. And you can schedule a time there that works for you. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I also have an, an awesome quiz about are you highly sensitive? So if you're curious about whether you have sensitive traits or are highly sensitive, you can go to my website, again, elizabethcushcoaching.com, and there is a button on the left-hand side of the homepage that says, are you highly sensitive? Take the quiz, and you will get a score in terms of how sensitive you are. 
I hope you all have an amazing week. I hope that you take care of yourselves. I hope that you are kind and compassionate with yourself. And I really look forward to connecting with you next time here on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.